Hey, welcome back to Amen, Brother Ben. This is the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. Hopefully you've enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend. Hope you remembered those that uh, fought and died for us. Bible says a couple things about that. And we need to make sure we, we honor and respect those that did that. Uh, so hopefully you enjoyed your weekend, but took some time to remember. We're talking this week about the Trinity. I know it's going to get a little deep, so go ahead and grab your swimmies. Let's go. We're going to dive in. We want to take the swimmies off so we can, so we don't have how we have less buoyancy. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Uh, AmenBen.com is the website. Make sure you're sharing this with your friends. Um, and as always, you can listen to these these podcasts as standalone, but I always encourage you to go back. We put the links in the description because they normally blast off and jump off from uh, my Sunday sermon. Um, this is really one of the purposes of this podcast is to help uh, my church people to continue to unpack uh, the message that God puts on us on Sundays and, and to explore these things on a daily basis. And so hopefully you're doing that and I appreciate everybody that listens. So it got a little heady. It got a little uh, deep and somewhat confusing to some folks on Sunday, which is okay. Um, we we talked about the Trinity. We talked about, um, we finished up this series called Fake News Versus Good News because I always thought coming up that, that all Christians believed in the Trinity. It was just sort of this thing that wasn't always fully explained to me coming up. Um, but most churches I was a part of, most major denominations, Believed in worshiping God as a trinity. Um, not Blade Trinity or the chick from the Matrix movies, but uh, the Godhead three in one, as Chris Tomlis, Tomlin sings twice an hour on Caleb, Father, Spirit, Son, right? So we are worshiping one God in three distinct, co-equal, co-eternal personalities. And... I know that can get a lot of, you can split a lot of hairs. In fact, we're going to talk some this week about oneness Pentecostals um, and the the idea of modalism, this idea that it's not a trinity. Jesus just sort of transforms into different roles. Um, I, call, uh, I call it the Clark Kent uh, Jesus. He steps into his phone booth and pops out Superman. Um, but he's the same guy. It's It's, again, you're splitting hairs on a lot of this, but... I still think it's important for us to understand because there are some, because it's the truth. It's scripture is, is really clear that although it never says the word Trinity, there are so many times where, um, God is presented this way in separate distinct personalities, but they're all God. And here, and that's why that's what I want to focus on today is the fact that we can't play favorites when it comes to how we worship God, Right. There's some people that just prefer the father. There's some people that just prefer the son. There's some people that just dig them the Holy Spirit. Um, but each one of those roles in God's Trinity plays its own part and plays its own position. By the way, that's a beautiful de depiction of, um, of marriage and of society and how we all have our different roles, that they're co-equal, right? Like I'm about to do some marital counseling this week. And again, I use the Bible to dictate how my marriage looks. And sometimes that makes, you know, certain 
secular people mad. They think I'm a misogynist pig because I believe a male should lead the family. But just because the husband's supposed to lead doesn't mean that the wife is not equally valuable and important. And she just has a different role to play. And so it's the same with the Trinity. God the Father has a certain role that he played in certain functions and and things that he did and does. And there's certain things that Jesus was tasked to do. And there's certain things that the Holy Spirit uh, is in their job description or in, the, in his job description. So I want to talk today, though, because I'm not, I don't know if you remember, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about different people like Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses who do not give Jesus um, the, the top billing of God, of at least co-eternal and co-equal. They don't put... Jesus on the same level as the Father. And uh, one of the verses I've noticed, because I haven't got a chance to talk to many of them myself, but in in looking at conversations, reading some of their uh, publishings and watching some videos of, of conversations and back and forth, one of the things I've noticed is they like to use, they, they read the same Bible that we do. Now, granted, they add to it, but they have found what they needed in the Bible to make this extra doctrine up. For example, um, one of the verses that gets used and, and misunderstood to make Jesus uh, seem like a created son of God that was not there with him the whole time and was not equally, you know, but was a created being like Jehovah's Witnesses think uh, the archangel Michael uh, is Colossians chapter one, uh, specifically verse 15 through 17. It says this, it says, he, talking about Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Hmm. Wait, wait, what? That, if you read that by itself, if you stop there, then maybe I see where you're, where you're going with Jesus not being co-eternal and, and being a firstborn of Jesus, I mean of God, of the Father. But it says, let me read again. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then it goes on to say this. For by him, all things were created in heaven and then on earth and in the invisible and visible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is, watch this, before all things and in him, all things hold together. I love that. That's one of my favorite descriptions of Jesus. The fact that he wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a revolutionary guy. He was the image of the invisible God, and everything was created through him and for him, and he was before all things. And right now, at this very moment, he is holding all things together. Wow. Do you understand now why he is God, <laughs> right? Do you understand now that, but you're going, wait a minute, are these verses contradicting itself? Because in verse 15, it says he is the firstborn of all creation. And you could think, well, maybe that means that he was, you know, God made creation and then put Jesus first. That's not how it is though. Here's, and this is how I know this. Again, you always want to read scripture. This is a side note for anything that you do. When you are trying to understand what scripture says, we have to put our own cultural and um, you know whatever else that influences our presuppositions, our, our filling in the blanks, we have to put that on hold and we have to consider A, what it's saying at face value, B, what 
it was saying in the cultural and, and chronological context of, of things, you know, when the time and place that it was written. And also we have to let scripture interpret scripture, right? That we, we don't necessarily let science interpret scripture or philosophy interpret scripture or one of these outside worldly things that most of the time uh, work hand in hand with God's word, but we do not let those outside things interpret scripture. We let the word of God interpret the word of God. So we, we have to take the whole account, the whole counsel of the Bible into consideration and when you do that, you understand better that phrase, the firstborn of all creation. You see, that is not as much a description of uh, specifically how things were created. It is a title, right? In, in biblical times, in uh, the Jewish tradition, that, and again, this is the Apostle Paul writing with a Jewish background, and in their tradition and in their families and and whoever was the first born got everything right that was a position and a title of privilege and power when you were the first born so you you took over your your father's and and mother's uh you know households and your whatever they had all the farm all the whatever right you you inherited everything most of the time cuz it was the first born that got all of that and so what Paul is saying here is not that Jesus was the first thing ever created, but that his title is that of uh, of of God who uh, a part of the part of God that is going to inherit everything, and who is going to have control and rule over everything. I know that because that's exactly what he described there. He there was he says that phrase "firstborn of all creation," and then he tells us what that's going to entail, right? That that the thrones and the dominions and all that stuff is under him that he's holding the whole, this whole shindig together. And so that means that Jesus is not just a created dude that just happened to be awesome and live a good life and then attain his Godship. He has been with the father ever since before all things and he will inherit all things. And, and, and the father lifts the son up as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, just thought that was a great uh, case study in that one particular verse uh, that many other people use to try to take down the Trinity. But I want to talk more this week about what the Trinity really is, what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, their jobs are. So I hope uh, that you'll tune us in again tomorrow.